walk with you daily, Father. May your words from your book, the truth of your of, of Jesus Christ, just being the truth, and that we see in your in your words, Father, I pray that they would change our lives, that we might love those around us more tomorrow than we do today. Father, that we would love you more tomorrow than we do today and one another. Thank you for your words. Thank you for music to to express and to sing and to worship and exalt Jesus Christ. Thank you for this time, Father. In your Son's name we pray. Amen. Be seated. I was trying for a short sermon title. Didn't work. <laughs> some some pastors are gifted. They can come up with a one or two word sermon title every week. Open God's words, if you would, to Ephesians chapter 6. Ephesians chapter 6, verse 12. Well, let's start with 10. Finally, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. Put on the full armor of God that you may be able to stand firm against the schemes of the devil. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the powers, against the world forces of this darkness against the spiritual forces of wickedness in heavenly places. Our battle is not against other humans. It's not against other people. Satan would like to taint it that color. Satan would love to get us to fight with one another, to tear each other down, to cause dissension. But the battle is against Satan. It's not against each other. And one of the things is is Stephen is ready to stand and and to preach the word. He has to understand that. He is totally reliant on the, the truth of God's word. He understands that the battle is a spiritual battle. He understands that that what is ahead of him with the Sanhedrin and the council is 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 not really against people. It's against those spiritual forces of wickedness in dark places. It's a spiritual battle. Satan, what what does he hate? What's that? Christ? Okay. More specifically? He hates us glorifying God. And the phrase I want you to put across your forehead. Satan hates to see God exalted. 
Satan hates to see God exalted because it reminds him that he's already lost. And who, who likes to be reminded of that? Satan hates to see God exalted. And when we exalt the name of God, we, we have victory in our lives. We have, we have joy. We have peace. Because we're putting and leaving God on the throne where he belongs. Two statements a couple weeks ago. We, we were off last week with, with Lou Giglio. But uh, two weeks ago, I told you there was two statements I wanted you to remember. I'm not a very good teacher because I'm getting a whole bunch of blank stares. Jesus Christ is the fulfillment of the law. And the second one, Jesus Christ is the fulfillment of the temple. He is the temple. In in the Sanhedrin, just didn't get it. We remember we talked about, about Lutheranism and, and Catholicism and Calvinism and, and the Methodist and, and their let me, let me read a quote from the book, The Acts of God, by George Sweeting. First, there is a godly man. He begins a mission or a movement. Gradually, they organize. The mission becomes a machine. And finally, when the man is gone, the machine becomes a monument. We talked a couple weeks ago how, how Martin Luther or John Calvin or, or uh, John Wesley would just cringe and roll over in their graves as to that, that their name has been attached to a religion because that's what it is. It's a religion. It's not a relationship with Jesus Christ. And Jesus Christ wants to have a relationship with each one of us. He wants to have that one-on-one relationship. He wants us to depend on him. We talk, there's, there's the man, begins a mission, then when the man dies, it becomes a monument. Now, now don't, don't, don't get confused here, because we, we, we see in the Old Testament, and this again was from David Jeremiah, and, and that message that we listened to on socialism, that one Sunday morning. Socialism desires to wipe out all history and memory of, of what was before. And in the Old Testament... I forget exactly how many it is. I think it's 78 times maybe. Maybe that's a little too high. But a a lot of times in the Old Testament, it tells us to remember. And we know that when the the Israelites crossed the Jordan, were going into the promised land. They they built a couple different stacks of stones. And throughout their history, you see piles of rocks that were to remind them. To remind them of what Jesus had done for them. So I say, remember... But at the same time, we are to remember Christ and what Christ has done for us, not what Luther has done for us, not what some other man or whatever has done for us, because then we start worshiping that. That becomes idolatry, and that's not what God wants us to worship. God wants us to worship Him and Him alone. And so these these religions do not bring about a relationship with God. And that's what he wants with us as a relationship. We need to remember. We need to remember. 
but we don't need to build monuments to men. We need to to build stone piles or, or memories or monuments to God, our Heavenly Father, based upon this, His Word and His truth. Last week, or two, excuse me, two weeks ago, uh, you go ahead and turn to Acts chapter 6 if you would. They called Stephen to the, to the head of the council, and they, and they were trying to pick at what he was preaching. In verse 10, Acts 6.10, they were unable to cope with the wisdom and the spirit with which he was speaking. We looked at Luke 21.15 where God says, don't worry about what you're going to say when you're on the stand. I, through the Holy Spirit, will give you the words to say. I will confound and confuse those that are questioning you. He had a wisdom that wasn't his own. He had a wisdom that was God's. They were unable to cope with the wisdom and the spirit with which he was speaking. So then what did they do? They hired some guys to lie. They hired some witnesses that didn't witness anything. To lie and say that Stephen was blaspheming against what two things? Christ is the fulfillment of the... And Christ is the fulfillment of the... So they hired people... You're doing all right on the quizzes this morning. A little, little, you know, a little more energy, but that's all right. We'll get there. <laughs> they hired people to lie and say that Stephen was blaspheming against the law and blaspheming against God, against Christ. When in actuality, they were the ones that were doing it through their false religion. They set up all their own little sets of rules to follow. We have then in verse 13 and 14 is talking about their accusations and, and their lies, basically. So now, did any of you do your homework from two weeks ago? I am the worst teacher ever. I'm getting a whole bunch of blank stares because nobody remembers what their homework was. Oh, okay. Don't give me a blank stare then if you know what it is. Oh, maybe the blank stare is because you didn't do your homework. Okay, okay. I, I wanted you to read Acts chapter 7. Because we're not it's 70 verses long. And we could start now and be done about 1130 if you want. But I wanted you to take the time and just un, to, to get an overview of what it is. Acts chapter 7, a lot of people would just look at it and say, oh, it's a history lesson. It's talking, it's talking about Abraham and then Moses and Joseph and ends up with David and Solomon before it gets really spicy. There's some exciting stuff in there. But it's not just a history lesson. If, if you want to, okay, here, here's the next part of your quiz, okay? If, if you want to learn more about Abraham, and, and he's in chapter 7, verses 2 through 8. I'm going to kind of, I'll give you the outline of the, the guys that he's talking about. In Acts chapter 7, verses 2 through 8, Stephen is preaching about Abraham. Does anybody know where in God's words I go to learn more about Abraham? Genesis? 
Well, let's, let's just stick with Genesis, starting in chapter 12. Okay, Genesis 12 is where you're going to pick up Abraham. What, what, every, what every preacher prays doesn't happen, what, what he tries to shield against is that when you walk out of here today, you will understand a little bit more about the Word of God. That you can have a little bit closer relationship with God. But what I really want you to do is get the point of my message. Otherwise, I wouldn't be preaching it, okay? So I really want you to get the point of my message. And Stephen really wanted the Sanhedrin to get the point of his message. And the point of the message was not a history lesson. Although that was part of what's going on here, you see that, but that was not the point. Okay? Joseph, in verses 9 through 18. Where do, we, where do we pick up the story of Joseph? That's a quiz question. Genesis, give me a chapter. 37, good. Genesis 37 is where we pick up the story of Joseph. In, in, all the, in each one of these, if I was going to preach a message on these guys, I would, I would go back to that part of the Bible. The history lesson and all the things that God did for them are, are, are not the point of Stephen's message. Verses 19 through 45 in Acts chapter 7. Stephen is talking about Moses. Where do, we, where do we find, if we want to learn more about Moses, obviously, back in the Old Testament, where do we head back to find out more about Moses? Exodus. That's right. So, and and there's, there's a whole bunch of preaching in Exodus. That's a long book. So, but if I want to find out, this, this is not the, the history of Moses and, and the children leaving, the, the children of Israel leaving Egypt is, is not the point. Then verses 46 through 50 he, he, he makes reference to, to David and Solomon. And, and to find out more about David and Solomon's lives, where do we go in the Old Testament? The latter part of 1 Samuel and all of 2 Samuel. So if I wanted to preach you sermons on those guys, those, those are the books, those are the places in the Old Testament I would go. If, if I wanted to give you the history of the nation... But that's not Stephen's point of what he's preaching. What's his point? If you did your homework and you read, you would know that he brought up and talked about Abraham because he wanted the Sanhedrin to understand and realize that God met with Abraham in Mesopotamia. Abraham was not sitting in the temple in Jerusalem. Oh, by the way, the temple didn't even exist then. But God met Abraham in Mesopotamia. Joseph, where did he meet Joseph? Down in Egypt. Where did he meet Moses? On the backside of the desert. Egypt, Midian. And then as they came through the wilderness, where, where the people of God were, God met with them there. It didn't have to be in the temple in Jerusalem. David and Solomon. Now we're getting a little closer to Jerusalem. And this, this is where evidently the Sanhedrin began building their religion on you got to go to the temple because that's where God is. 
But what they didn't realize and see and understand was that the Messiah had come and they killed him. He rose from the dead and was back in heaven. The Holy Spirit came, and that's the power that the apostles and now Stephen are preaching in, is the power of the Holy Spirit. Look quickly with me at 2 Chronicles chapter 2. I've been talking so much about the Old Testament. Let's go there real quick. 2 Chronicles chapter 2. Second Chronicles 2, 4 through 6. Solomon is speaking. Behold, I am about to build a house for the name of the Lord my God, dedicating it to him to burn fragrant incense before him and to set out the showbread continually to offer burnt offerings morning and evening on Sabbaths and on new moons and on the appointed feasts of the Lord our God, this being required forever in Israel. And the house which I am about to build will be great, for greater is our God than all the gods, small g. Verse 6, But who is able to build a house for him? For the heavens and the highest heavens cannot contain him. Huh, I wonder why. Maybe it's because he made those. Well, he has something to do with it. The heavens and the highest heavens cannot contain him. So who am I that I should build a house for him except to build incense before him? Even Solomon understood that this temple that he built was going to build could not contain God. It can't. It cannot contain God. They understood, he, Stephen understood that, and he was, the, the whole point of this message was to try to get the Sanhedrin to understand that. Because it was quite obvious the way they were responding to him, they didn't get it. Because Christ is the fulfillment of the, and Christ is the fulfillment of the temple. Christ is the temple that we are to worship. We are to worship him. The Sanhedrin wanted to keep worshiping that building that Solomon built. They wanted to keep worshiping their 617, I think it is, 23 laws that they added on and, and made up to, you know, to, to make the Ten Commandments so much better. They thought they were more important than God. They worshipped their institution. They worshipped the temple. They worshipped the law. They did not worship the one that had fulfilled both of them. They did not worship the creator of the universe that wants to have a relationship with each one of us. That he wants to have a relationship with you. So the point of Stephen's message is not a history lesson. It's that they might see and understand that God will meet you where you're at. doesn't matter if you're in Mesopotamia or down in Egypt, or even if you are in Jerusalem. God wants to meet with you. 
and have that relationship with you based upon what he has done, not anything that we can do. So that brings us down to to, uh, Acts chapter 7, verse, verse 49. Heaven is my throne. The earth is the footstool of my feet. What kind of house will you build for me, says the Lord? Or what place is there for my repose? Was it not my hand which made all these things? How often we get blinders on. We, we, we see what we want to see and that's all we can focus on. We need to focus on God and his word. Because that is truth. Take you back to John 1 again. He was, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. And that light was truth. He is truth. Verse 51 through 53, and, and this, is, this is where, <laughs> whoo, <laughs> this is where I, uh, Someday I'll get nerve to give you guys a message like this when, when God tells me you need it. Put another cushion under your seat for this, okay? You men who are stiff-necked and uncircumcised in heart and ears are always resisting the Holy Spirit, you are doing just as your fathers did. Which one of the prophets did your fathers not persecute? And they killed those who had previously announced the coming of the righteous one, whose betrayers and murderers you have now become. You who received the law as ordained by angels, and yet did not keep it. Huh. Sugarcoating? Ain't none of that there. He let them have it with both barrels. And, if, and as we started out, if you go back to verse 10, it says, yet they were unable to cope with the wisdom and the spirit with which he was speaking. I, I think that carries over here. They, they couldn't cope with what he was saying because what he was saying was true and the Holy Spirit was driving it home. There was no ducking for cover here. He, he was laying them out. He was letting them have it, both barrels. Now let's go back and read that again and apply it to you. Or you, or you, or you, or me. You men who are stiff-necked and uncircumcised in heart and ears are always resisting the Holy Spirit. You are doing just as your fathers did. Which one of the prophets did your fathers not persecute? And they killed those who had previously announced the coming of the righteous one, whose betrayers and murders you've now become. You who received the laws ordained by angels and yet did not keep it. How many of us have established a law to ourselves and feel like if we keep it, I'm righteous. I come to church every Sunday. A few years ago, you'd say, I wore a coat and tie to church, so I'm righteous. I'm righteous. I'm, I'm dressed like I'm supposed to be. 
because the outward appearance is what really matters. If I can fool everybody that I look great on the outside, then they'll probably think maybe everything's good on the inside. I always hear those that drive into the church parking lot and mom and dad are just yelling at the kids and yelling at each other. They get out of the car and they're smiling and everything's great. Teaching our kids to be hypocrites. How often in our lives, and look back over your life, have we set a standard that is not biblical? And then we judge other people by our standard. No, I was there. I was right there. I just, I think, I remember we had a, a pastor, the first church we attended when we were married in Denver. He, he was from Ironwood, Michigan, and he'd come out there. That was back in the day where if the church doors were open, nothing was to keep you from being there because if the doors were open and you weren't there, you were a sinner bound for hell. He said what changed his life was a Sunday night service and there was a terrible snowstorm in Ironwood, Michigan. And there was a car crash and one of the people in their church was killed because they had to be to church no matter what. Now folks, the church itself, the word ecclesia, the Greek means gathering. So we do need to gather. We do need to be here. But I think staying home because you're sick or because there's a snowstorm that's going to kill people, I don't think that fits into the, the, the Hebrews' qualification of forsaking the gathering together. And he said after that he never hesitated to cancel a church in a snowstorm. Now, I don't think we need to cancel if there's two or three snowflakes coming down. That's where we pray for wisdom from God and common sense. And I know that's an extreme, but... Others that are just just as dangerous are are things that we set up and established. That if you didn't have that in your life, man, I was holy, but you weren't. Oh, man, that's what this whole thing is about. That was the whole problem with the Sanhedrin. It was all about the outward. It was all about the outward. It wasn't about the heart. It wasn't about let God changing who you are. That you would be more like Him. Verse 54. Now when they heard this, they were cut to the quick. Okay, do we remember back earlier in Acts, we, we came this, it was just back a couple chapters, let me see. Chapter 5, verse 33. When they heard this, they were cut to the quick and they were intending to slay them. But a certain Pharisee named Gamaliel, teacher of the law. Okay, um, nope, that's the wrong one, John. Sorry, and I'm not going to find it. I don't want to take the time to, to look. It's there. We went. We've already gone over that. that when they, when they were cut to the quick, they were convicted of their sin, and they were cut to the quick to to be brought by the Holy Spirit to Christ. But this is a different cut to the quick. The, the, the Greek word has just a little different ending on it. This cut to the quick. They were angry. 
They were furious. Who is this guy to come in here and tell us that we're stiff necks and uncircumcised and heart and ears? Who in the world does he think he is? They were furious. They were ready to rip his head off. Literally. Verse 55, but being full of the Holy Spirit, Stephen gazed intently into heaven and saw the glory of God and Jesus standing at the right hand of God. This is the only time in the New Testament that we're talked that it talks about Jesus standing. When he, when he died for our sins, was resurrected, went back to heaven, he's seated at the Father indicating that the work is done. It's finished. There's nothing that we need to do but accept him and what he's done for us. But in this case, Stephen sees Jesus standing, ready to welcome him home. Oh, what a day. What a day. He said, Behold, I see the heavens opened up and the Son of Man standing at the right hand of God. But they cried out with a loud voice, covered their ears. They rushed upon him with one impulse. When they had driven him out of the city, they began stoning him. Wait a minute. The Jews didn't have the power or authority to... to for capital punishment. They didn't have the right to kill anybody. They took Jesus Christ to Pontius Pilate. They totally bypassed that here. You want to talk about furious? They're, they're just blind with rage. Just blinded. When they drew, Verse 58, when they driven him out of the city, they began stoning him, and the witnesses laid aside their robes at the feet of a young man named Saul. And they went on stoning Stephen as he called upon the Lord and said, Lord Jesus, receive my spirit. And falling on his knees, he cried out with a loud voice, Lord, do not hold this sin against them. And having said this, he fell asleep. Okay, look back just for a moment. In chapter 6 of Acts there. Verse 13. And they put forward false witnesses who said, This man incessantly speak against this holy place and the law. For we have heard him say that this Nazarene Jesus will destroy, destroy this place, excuse me, and alter the customs which Moses handed down to us. Fixing their gaze on him, all who were sitting in the council saw his face like the face of an angel. And then, as, as he's being stoned, I mean, we, we, we talk about the definition of confidence is how little I react when falsely accused. That was Stephen. I mean, who, who could have their, the accusations being made against him in chapter 6? There, Who, who would, could have a, a face shining, glowing, because of the, the presence of the Holy Spirit in his life? And here, as they're killing the man, literally, physically killing him, stoning him, Lord, do not hold this sin against them. Just read a short clip from, from uh, Henry Ironside. Stephen was standing before the council, listening to all those false accusations, and noticing the expression of rage, ridicule, and indignation. Yet he stood there looking upon them with a benign countenance full of love and trust and peace and confidence. 
undisturbed by all the bitter things that were being said because of their hatred towards him. <coughs> Excuse me. His heart was not moved to malice. But he was happy in the consciousness that he was there as Christ's faithful servant. He understood that it was a spiritual battle. That it was not against flesh and blood. He understood that it was against spiritual powers that were of darkness, that were of Satan. That that was the battle. That's how he could stand like he did under the false accusations and how he could stand underneath this, literally the stoning and his life being taken from him. He didn't hold anything against those that were against him. He, he was not mad or angry at those that told lies about him. He, he knew it wasn't about that. It's, it's bigger than Stephen. He, he gets that. He understands that it's a spiritual battle. Christ stood to welcome him home. The first martyr recorded in the scriptures that we, that we have. Christ stood to welcome Stephen home. But what a blessed attitude and heart that Stephen had. One, one of the things in our lives that, and maybe, maybe this is a change that God will bring about in your heart, in your life this week. Not to hold anything against people that lie about us, that, that make up things. Because it's not about them. It's not about whatever lie they tell about me. It's about Jesus Christ and what he has done for all of us. Stephen got it. Obviously, the Sanhedrin still didn't get it. But they were so stirred and so angry that they took him out and killed him. They didn't care if they got in trouble with the Roman authorities. They weren't supposed to carry out capital punishment. That was the Romans' responsibility. They were so mad and so angry, they didn't care. And yet Stephen, full of the Holy Spirit, we look back to, to chapter 6 as to why he was picked as a deacon in the first place. Chapter 3, select men, seven men of good reputation, full of the Spirit and full of wisdom. Then down in verse 8 it says, Stephen was full of grace and full of power. He let God take control of his life. He let God take control of his attitude. He let God take care, control of his countenance. As he's shown because of the Holy Spirit in him. There's also those that would say that that was, that was for the sake of the Sanhedrin because they they were big into history and they had studied Moses and they knew that 
when Moses came off the mountain with the Ten Commandments that, that his face shone as well. And even then they didn't connect the dots. That they couldn't even get together. Oh, those stupid Sanhedrin, aren't we so glad we're not like them? <laughs> Father, change our hearts. Help us to get out of the way of the Holy Spirit's work in our lives. So that the Holy Spirit can work through us like he worked through Stephen. Father, someday if it's required of us that we would die in the same way for the name of Jesus that Stephen did. Not because of how good or how great we are, but because of the power of the Holy Spirit and what you can do in us. Father, we pray, change our hearts. Father, give us more faith. Thank you for giving us your son. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. We'll take a